You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, it's Ann Foster from the Vulgar History Podcast. My very good friends Katie and Nathan wanted me to tell you to just prepare yourself that their podcast contains some strong language. My podcast contains some strong language as well. So if you're really interested in that intersection of women's history with uh, whimsy, with um, screaming about feminism, um, you might want to check out the Vulgar History Podcast as well. Enjoy their show. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Queen's, Queen's. Okay. I'm coming straight out to NYC. Hey, Katie. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Nathan. How are you? Great, fabulous, splendiferous. Splendiferous. Oh, I like that one. (laughs) Look it up in the gay dictionary. It's there. (laughs) The the gay dictionary. Okay, so today we're here to wrap up the bananas life of Victoria Woodhull, the first woman to run for president of the United States. So, Nathan, where did we leave off? Okay. Like you said, it's bananas. So in her life, Victoria Woodhull has been a childhood preacher, a medium to the masses. Mm -hmm. And then in part two, she was spiritual advisor to the richest man in America, Vanderbilt, and the first female stockbroker, the first woman to speak in front of Congress claiming Hey, bitches, we already got that right to vote. And then she was so frustrated with the lack of women's issue coverage that she started her own newspaper. And so then she was like, fuck it, I'm running for president. All right, so that's a good launching point. Uh, The year is 1872. Women would not have the right to vote for another 48 years. For a woman to announce that like, hey, y'all, I'm going to run for president, it was pretty unheard of and like we mentioned previously she actually wasn't legally uh, old enough to run for president (laughs) because she was only 32 but whatever you have to be 35 (laughs) to run for president whatever yeah but i don't think that she was like running under any pretense that she was actually going to win the presidency right right. Uh, i think she's just doing it to like make a point to like stick it to the man right she ran in a third party that was a little bit of a fringe party they were called the equal rights party she claimed that frederick douglas was her running mate um (laughs) the problem is she did not know frederick douglas Uh, i I found that so funny i was like oh come on i know to give the person a heads up and he was like he was like mariah carey he was like i don't know her and He was actually strongly, strongly campaigning for Ulysses S. Grant, so who would then go on to win. Um, 
I guess if you don't know who Frederick Douglass is, you're like, why, who is this person? Why is is that a big deal? So Frederick um, Douglass was a former enslaved person who had escaped slavery right before the Civil War. mm -hmm. So he was like super fucking smart, writing books, served as an advisor on the abolitionist issues to Abraham Lincoln. That's big that deal. Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, super smart. And in time with a bunch of dicks who thought black people were just designed to like not be intelligent. So he blew everyone's mind. He yeah. showed people like I can be as smart as you. Yeah. It just all comes down to being educated. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I find her just naming him her running mate a little bit problematic uh <laughs> the fact that she didn't know him one yeah, that, that's a little problem do you yeah. want to be on this ticket <laughs> also i felt like it was a little bit pandering mm. i don't know i go back and forth on one side i'm like oh she's pandering to the the freed enslaved people that now have the right to vote and other abolitionists as well. Yeah, so. I go back and forth. Maybe she's also just showing we've both been, um, you know, not had the rights and let's put our forces together. And I do feel like we should discuss real quickly because it could be its own episode. <sighs> the issues between <laughs> the suffragettes and the and their resentment towards a lot of black people at the time so some of the suffragettes while they're they're pretty much all abolitionists Mm -hmm. they really don't have the best track record for civil rights yeah Um, they really didn't do too hot on that guys before the civil war there seemed to be a bigger support in the general public for the women's right to vote And a lot of men were involved in the movement. But then it became clear that abolishing slavery was like a more time sensitive issue. And so the vibe from the suffragettes were like, you're right, let's go ahead and end slavery. And, you know, because slaves are dying. We're just not getting to vote. Like it's okay. Yeah. But then after we've abolished slavery, you guys are all going to come back and help us get the right to vote. Right. And all these, and all these dudes were like, right, right. And then after slavery was abolished, all of these white dudes were like, well, we've done our good civil civil rights deed for our life. And just kind of suffragettes movement kind of went out of fashion. Yeah. And they were started, people started to kind of look down on them Mm -hmm. and it became like not the cool crowd to hang out with (laughs) yeah and so a lot of the women fighting for women's rights to vote were butthurt by this and Mm -hmm. really resented that black men were getting the right to vote before they could and it it was it's not a it's not a good part of american feminism you know the history of american feminism but it's there so we got to talk about it yeah exactly i mean yeah a lot of white women were getting arrested for trying to vote but uh, black people were getting like fucking killed for trying yeah. to vote so <laughs> yeah. it's not exactly apples to apples you know yeah not not exactly so anyway i'm not sure if that sort of disdain in the you know suffragist movement really applies to vicky but it's just something that's important to know about the suffragist movement yes um that... frederick Douglass did not know her <laughs> yeah, like 
who dis? Like, no, for real, who dis? Yeah, and then just like all that other stuff was going on. So I don't know. It was an interesting choice, um, but Frederick Douglass never acknowledged that she was her running mate. So anyway. <laughs> so Victoria takes to the road. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand like what a big fucking deal speaking engagements were back then. Um, Cause obviously people don't have TV, yeah. internet. There's a not a whole lot don't. to do. Yeah. And so if you heard that, oh my gosh, somebody is coming into town and they have all these really new ideas and they're just going to be, you know, in the town square or wherever and it's free or, you know, super, super cheap, cheap, then yeah. you went to, you just went ahead and went. Go, you know, there's nothing else to do. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And Victoria is real good at public speaking. I mean, she's been doing it. We talked about it in her first episode when she was like a fire and brimstone preacher mm-hmm. at like age of five. <laughs> so she's been doing it for a really long time and she knows how to command an audience is what I'm getting at. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. She did have a pretty, pretty loyal base of followers. They called themselves the Victorines. It's rumored that uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt was using his connections to draw interest in her. And uh. yeah, and because they're friends. <laughs> and there's one story of a reporter like going up to him and he didn't like talking to the reporters. And he mm. was like, hey, we hear you're the leader of the Victorines. And he said like for a second, Vanderbilt like smiled and looked like all chummy. And then he kind of remembered that he hated the press and he was just like, fuck <laughs> off, leave me alone. So I think he was really proud that what Victoria was like using her voice for. Yeah. And so let's kind of like talk about what she did believe in. So as we already know, she ran on the platform of free love. So Mm -hmm. that's already, we've already kind of discussed that. She, she basically just wanted the law to stay out of marriage and uh, like, yeah, get out of my bedroom. But then she does something that's, I didn't care for that much. She compared marriage to uh, slavery. Yeah. Which I get what she's trying to like go for in the long run. And I feel like she was trying to gain more allies that were like abolitionist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do kind of see how back then when you could be trapped in a horrible marriage how it would be easy to try to make that comparison, but uh, fucking read the room, Vicky. Like, yeah, because there's some enslaved people that are literally just now getting freed from actual slavery. slavery. Yeah. Yeah. So not the best wording. Yeah. <laughs> but she believed in the workers' rights for like an eight hour day. Love so it. she believed in labor unions and, you know, what they fight for. Uh, she wanted the death penalty abolished, which okay. for that, point in time that's pretty progressive yeah this is back when they were Um, still hanging people right um she was into universal health care okay uh crazy uh women's suffrage obviously Um, (laughs) that's kind of her gig Mm -hmm. and she spoke against the system protecting the top 10 while the bottom 1 million suffer sounds familiar she would be a bernie bro Oh, she would, she would definitely be a Bernie bro for sure. (laughs) Welfare for the poor. I mean, like that's a lot of things that people would hop on board with, you know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it sounds like she could be a candidate right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was all these fringe groups coming together and just loving her. And the pro-union people really liked her. The women's rights groups really liked her. The spiritualist fucking loved her. Not uh, just fucking, but fucking love. Fucking love. Uh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, she was actually appointed president of like the spiritualism society or whatever. Uh, I, I, I don't know when she's ever going to have, she's so busy. I don't know if she's going to have time for that, but yeah, she, and she's just getting really famous, Mm -hmm. which I think is the goal. Like you said, I don't think she thinks she's going to win. So the goal was to just get lots of press and draw attention to these issues. Yeah, so she did end up losing a lot of uh, friends in the suffragette movement because she did have that insistence on uh, the free love movement. It just like invited criticism to their movement because it was just really painted very badly by the press. It Mm -hmm. was something that was just really frowned upon, but it was because people really didn't understand what she was pretty much talking about exactly (laughs) they're thinking that she's like running around having orgies giving babies birth control and being like i'm gonna ruin the family giving babies birth control i love it like (laughs) (laughs) yeah they think she's just running around with her tits out like trying to corrupt your children and the press is just like so against her and she's just they're just like she's gonna ruin the family and she's like i just don't i just want to be able to get a divorce if my husband is horrible to me you know like yeah if my husband's beating the shit out of me every day i should be able to get a divorce right but she was so unpopular with the press they it almost kind of reminds me i know completely different um times and completely different situations but it kind of reminds me about how the press in England was to Meghan Markle, just like oh, that's every a good parallel. Everything, everything that she does, they fucking hate her. Everything she did, they fucking hated. They called her Mrs. Satan. Well, that's a little extreme. Yeah, yeah. So in the show notes, um, Nathan, do you see this picture I put? Yeah. This cartoon of her. I'll go ahead and put it in the show notes on our website as well. This was like a really famous cartoon, and ex- describe what you're seeing, Nathan. So I see a woman dressed in black and she's got these uh, wings. It's almost like she's giving me Maleficent vibes minus the horns. Yeah. Well, no, she's got horns. Oh, she does. I see that. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and the horns are even giving me Maleficent vibes. Right. Uh, But it's literally like what you would think of as a Satanist character basically yeah. and she's holding a pamphlet that says it's a it looks like it's a free love pamphlet it says be saved by free love mm-hmm. and she's like gesturing to it and looking behind her shoulder and then behind her shoulder is a woman that's carrying like what two babies one of the babies has like a sword in its hand no one of them one is. of them is like a <laughs> and she's also the woman is also carrying a drunken husband yeah the drunken husband's on her back yeah okay what is it's a, a baby's holding something i don't know what that is i don't know anyway. what the baby's holding anyway yeah no i think that's her <laughs> the woman is holding like a walking staff ah she's got to climb up this mountain with her two babies and her drunk husband on her back and but to me it's like 
if if this were printed today, I feel like this is almost like an endorsement, <laughs> right? Like you can got a drunk husband, you can divorce him. You can you divorce know? him, join free love. But instead, it's the Mrs. Satan, Victoria, trying to. It's meant to show that she's trying to break up the traditional family as we know it by, you know, encouraging women to not stick with deadbeats. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that's just one example, but it kind of gives you like an idea of how people view her. Uh, She's ugly. She's masculine, super unfeminine. She wants to ruin your family. You know, the usual things that we hear about women who have a little bit of power. Right. I found this next story really interesting in the book that I'm reading and I've talked about in the last two episodes as well about her so there's she's doing the speaking engagement in troy new york so she goes to speak and the whole time the people are just like wrapped around her finger and this journalist is just like what is her fucking game because he's so predisposed to distrust her his whole time traveling to go see her, he's just like expecting her to just like, I don't know, murder a baby on stage or something (laughs) just like. And so after the speech, he goes backstage where Vicky is hanging out with like her crew. He kind of was wanting to meet her. He writes, I was prompted by the most vulgar, vulgar curiosity, just as one might be to see Beelzebub or a two headed monster. I considered her, impure in character which fucking harsh dude yeah like a little overboard there yeah and he he goes on to list like this is all the shit that the press is saying about her non-stop and so then finally another journalist dude was like hey i know her do you want to meet her and then he goes on to say doubtless no other person in america has been so misjudged by the press than this poor woman he compares her to Joan of Arc. He says, wow. well, because he was like, is she crazy? She might be crazy, but Joan of Arc was also crazy. So he just goes on to just be like, and she couldn't have been a nicer person. She was so charming and so sweet. I can't believe I misjudged her so badly. Yeah, that kind of goes to like the fact that she can, it doesn't matter how much somebody would hate her to begin with. She meets them and she just completely 180s that. And then they're like, oh my God, I love you. She's (laughs) just a very charming and likable person once you get to know her, if you're not just reading, you know, the fake news. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I mean, this is why she's going on speaking tours, like non-fucking-stop for like the next whole year. Yeah. So it's getting closer and closer to the elections. All right. You remember the Beechers from the last episode, the Beecher family? Beecher Preacher. Beecher Preacher. And then there's Harriet Beecher Stowe. And then they have another sister named Catherine, who we don't really talk about, but she's fucking Catherine Beecher. She wrote books on how to behave as a good wife and the proper way to bring up children. She was neither married nor had children. So so I wouldn't take her advice, basically. Right? But That's she thought she was better at you. She knew you were doing everything wrong. So we don't really talk about Catherine Beecher again, but I'm just trying to set the tone of this fucking family. They are <laughs> like, ugh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and like, mind your, mind your own shit. Like we talked about before, the Beecher family is like the driving force behind the conservative movement within the feminist movement because the movement's broken up into factions. 
The Beecher clan kind of lost their shit when Victoria said publicly, okay, again, to us, this sounds normal, but she said publicly, yes, I'm a free lover. I have constitutional and natural right to love whom I may, to love as long or as short of a period as I can, and to change that love every day if I please. And with that right, neither you nor the law can have any right to interfere. I mean, damn, she, I mean, she right. She right. Point to the lie. <laughs> she right. <laughs> yeah, the Beecher clan was just like, how dare she have autonomy? Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, and Harriet Beecher Stowe is honestly obsessed with Vicky. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Why are you so obsessed and... with me? Oh. <laughs> And her brother, Preacher Beecher, he's the editor of a paper called The Christian Union, and he publishes a lot of really scathing articles about Vicky. Um, mm. Though he does tell his sister, like, look, the more you keep coming for her, the more people are going to associate you with her. So maybe just, like, chill out a little. <laughs> <laughs> also, maybe Victoria might have some dirt on someone in the family. So maybe, Ooh, maybe chill, maybe zip I, it. I love it. This, somebody, somebody's got some tea to spill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Side note, Harriet had a character in some of her es- essays named Audacia Danger Eyes. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking comic book character. I know, right? <laughs> like, Audacia, I guess to me, is like the audacity and danger eyes. Yeah. I don't, I don't fucking know. She's got dangerous eyes. Um, <laughs> but this character... She's got hungry eyes. <laughs> this character is like loosely a composite of Victoria, her sister Tennessee, and this other free love feminist named Angela Haywood. It's a baller name. It really is. And Vicky's like, at this point, Vicky's like, okay, this is getting fucking ridiculous. And I'm going to set up a meeting with Preacher Beecher. Preacher Beecher. So, okay, rewind. If you'll remember from episode... (laughs) Rewind. Um, If you'll remember from episode two, we discussed two things that may come up later. One was that Preacher Beecher fucked and had like a lot like a lot a lot of girlfriends and that vicky speechwriter and maybe boyfriend had left his wife after his wife had an affair and uh well vicky's boyfriend had left his wife because she got preggers uh by none other than preacher beecher oh my god plot twist <laughs> how incredibly predictable yeah right keep your dick in your pants oh fucking men <laughs> The Preacher Beecher, his real name is Henry Ward Beecher. Remember, he's like a celebrity. He's like a superstar. Who is that guy, that preacher in Houston? Is it- Joel Osteen. Think that. This guy Got would it. definitely like have his own mega church or TV show, what the fuck ever. <laughs> Remember, they didn't have like TV or internet, like mm-hmm. you said before. So going to church was like a form of entertainment. Yeah. This guy was doing whatever he was doing. He was doing it right because he was making a shitload of money. She goes to Henry Ward Beecher and it's like, you can call it what you want, but you practice free love. Like that. I mean, find the lie. Find the lie. (laughs) You've got like 20 girlfriends and a wife. (laughs) 
I'm not saying you should come out and admit all your affairs, but like if you could just publicly tell your followers, like, hey, Victoria's not Victoria's not Mrs. Satan. Yeah, right. <laughs> we actually see eye to eye on several things, like that would be a huge favor for me. She wanted him to introduce her at like one of her speaking engagements. Yeah, and preacher preacher is a preacher beacher is swiftly like yeah no <laughs> not gonna do it <laughs> not, not gonna, gonna do it. Yeah. absolutely not like it's gonna ruin his reputation with his base you mm-hmm. know i mean his sister has been talking shit about vicky for fucking years and and vicky's like do you know what i know <laughs> and he's like i think i might know what you know but what why don't you tell me what you know <laughs> and she's like do you want to try me bitch or do you want to come and join me and uh not be a hypocrite and again he's like my base i can't i i, I can't go and get like they're they're gonna quit coming to see me if i don't if i change my story at all and actually like it seems like henry ward beecher at this point still actually did have a lot of respect for vicky and kind of wanted to consider her a friend but he's like in her book about it, she says, or like in her writings about it, she says that he cried and got down on his knees and begged her, don't do this to me. <laughs> she had him by the balls. <laughs> and she just was not here to play. No. And Vicky gets back home to New York where she sets out to write a very scandalous newspaper article for their newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, she breaks the fucking story and not only does she break the story she's name dropping left and right yes like she's calling out that hypocrisy bitches a hundred percent and good for yeah. her good right for and, her. and she wrote about henry ward beecher you know the famous guy fucking some bitches mm-hmm. i mean okay maybe y'all know that but did you know that your beloved preacher actually had an affair with a married woman in the congregation under her husband's nose and guess what she got pregnant and lost the baby and then the preacher paid off the family not to make a fuss about it like the drama (laughs) i'm jane perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former beijing bureau chief for the new york times i've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places somalia indonesia pakistan but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. 
What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> and she's like naming the woman's name, Elizabeth Tilton, a.k.a. the wife of Theodore Tilton. Like she, that's like her own speechwriter and yeah. probably her boyfriend, too. I think they broke up after this. <laughs> <laughs> Fair to say. I don't. I think he quit working for them after this as well. But <laughs> yeah. And then after writing that, she knew it was going to be like a scandalous story that this delicate little Victorian era people just like couldn't handle. She was like writing, writing, writing like this is gonna be drama and hit send. Except like that's not that that's not how things happen. <laughs> Sent it to the printing press, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but she knew when it came out, it was going to be a scandal. A scandalous. So before we move forward, it's important to talk about some like of the obscenity laws of the time. This is going to be real exciting, guys. Um, short story, long story short. Um, they're fucking dumb and yes. way overreaching. Yes. But short story long. Um, there's this dude named Anthony Comstock, <laughs> um, who was a political and legal influencer at the time. Um, and this guy super duper fucking sucks. I fucking hate this hate man <laughs> so much. Like just the like flames, the flames, the flames on the side of my face. On the side of my face. <laughs> like we won't have time to go into everything about him, but if you want to be really angry, <laughs> learn more about Anthony Comstock. He was Ugh, I hate this guy. Um, he was an inspector for the United States Postal Service. And the government just gave him way more power than that role should have. And he just went mad with power. (laughs) And so it was a crime to send anything that was considered obscene through the mail. And the government even gave him like a gun to enforce this with. (laughs) (laughs) My God, what the fuck? And I mean, like he, he didn't just like dislike Victoria. He like, hated her he hated all the suffragettes which is fucking surprise but at this point she really hasn't done anything illegal just yet but you know he's just waiting in the wings with his state-issued gun and yeah just gonna shoot her i don't fucking know Uh, side note anthony comstock gives me some serious incel energy (laughs) he does he totally does like fuck this guy anyway that is (laughs) I don't want to talk Can't about complete. him anymore. Yes. <laughs> so Vicky drops the preacher Beecher bombshell in her newspaper. And it is such a huge deal. Huge like, fucking her little deal. niche. Yeah. Her little niche and regional newspaper was now this like national controversy. And they could not print enough copies to keep up with the demand. Like right. there was a story that people were wanting to pay $40 for a copy, which I mean, I can't imagine in today's money paying $40 for a newspaper. So back then. Also, because we have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the True. last time I bought a newspaper, but. <laughs> I, can't, I don't either. But yeah, that would be $40 in 1872 money. That's, yeah, that's a couple that's hundred a bucks for yeah. a newspaper. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's doing pretty well at this point. Yeah, I like, and I like the way that she dropped the story too. Like, 
she didn't hold anything back. Mm -mm. She's like, I'm not going to condemn him for the affairs. I'm condemning him for being a goddamn hypocrite. Her exact words were the fault with which I therefore charge him is now is not with infidelity. I denounce him as a poltroon coward and a sneak poltroon yeah i had to google that one um it it means like very cowardly um which so that's redundant (laughs) come on vicky he's very cowardly cowardly your your english teacher took off five points (laughs) yes (laughs) um but she's getting the point across that he is a fucking hypocrite yeah this it just i'm trying to think what is like a similar news story that maybe like the Harvey Weinstein story. I'm trying to think of like what the, uh, what the story of our time would be for this. That's what I kind of felt like because like, okay. So there's, there's something else that doesn't get as much attention, but it's a big deal. This is what makes me think of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, her sister, Tennessee, wrote a similar article in this issue about a Wall Street mover and shaker named Luther Chalice. Um, And so what she does, she ends up accusing him of giving two very young girls wine and raping them. So, you know, the detail, I mean, Tennessee did get into some really icky and obscene detail. Yeah, I just, I decided we weren't going to quote it in here because it made me uncomfortable. And if it's making me uncomfortable, I can only imagine how it made uh, the Victorian era people uncomfortable. Yeah. But guess what? It's putting these powerful men on blast. And like you said, it's like the Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement. Like it's very much that, but in the Victorian era. Yeah. So applaud. 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 Tennessee's story didn't get as much like countrywide um, attention because this guy wasn't really famous outside of Wall Street, but it did ruin that man's life and career, which, I mean, if he's raping little girls, cool. It should be ruined. Anyway, what we're getting at is this was huge. (laughs) Before now, the main people, the the main way that people got newspapers is they go to the newspaper stand and Mm -hmm. then just take it home. But now people in other states want to read this story. So that means this new newspaper describing sexual relationships has to be sent through the mail. Oh, I see where this is going. You got now we've got creepy Anthony Comstock waiting in the wings with his state-issued revolver. (laughs) Yes. And he's like, gotcha. (laughs) So that that story was published Saturday, November 2nd, 1872. And election day was Tuesday, November 5th. Mm-hmm. So later that day on November 2nd, there was a warrant out for Vicky's arrest. And by the end of the day, Vicky and Tennessee in blood, they were all arrested. Yes, it was an absolute media frenzy when she arrived to jail. It made me think, do you remember when like Paris Hilton was like still like a big fucking deal and she got arrested for maybe drunk driving or something? Oh, Yeah. And she's like walking into jail and like holding up her jacket over her head. That's kind of what I imagined something like that caliber. It was if paparazzi were a thing, it would have been like just paparazzi heaven. It was just media frenzy at the courthouse. 
Yeah, and Vicky, Tennessee, and Blood each ended up paying $5,000 to post bail, which is a shitload of money back then. And, yeah, there's a uh, shitload of money now. I think we did, I want to say that we did, uh, whenever we did our Patreon on Matilda Gage, it was $1,000 equal $30,000 back then. So $5,000 so $5, would be $150 thousand dollars ouch and like i said it's not like they even killed anybody they just wrote a story that was true (laughs) Uh, so she was in jail on election day yeah (laughs) that's kind of that's kind of punk rock yeah yeah it's not like they count her vote anyway victoria had planned to make on election day she was planning to make this big scene and leading like a big group of suffragettes down to the polling place to demand their right to vote under the 15th amendment. But you can't do that when you're in jail. You can't, you can't, she couldn't, she couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Victoria, she didn't win a single electoral college vote, um, which again, not surprising. Not surprising. It wasn't the point of why she was running. And um, Grant did win the election, which that's, that was the more progressive candidate. So cool. Yeah. And the next three years of Vicky life, Vicky's life were tied up in court battles. So it gets kind of boring for the next three years. <laughs> very boring and very redundant and very frustrating. Yeah. This part she's of like arrested, post bail, go to court for libel, obscenity, whatever Anthony Comstock is. <laughs> um, and then she'd be, she'd be acquitted. And then guess what? they'd arrest her again she'd go through post bail it's just that vicious cycle last thing i'm going to say about anthony comstock there was one story that i read where no he writes a letter to colonel blood and is like please mail me a copy of this newspaper to this address i'm totally not anthony comstock and uh blood was like okay they come to arrest him and then at the court hearing anthony comstock was like Blood approached me and tried to bribe me to drop this. And the lawyer was like, really? And he was like, yes. And they were like, please point to Colonel Blood in this courtroom. And Anthony Comstock couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The Beecher family actually never took legal action against Mm -hmm. Vicky. Like they pretty much were like, okay, so what she said was true. Right. So I really, uh, let's just lay low and, and do some damage repair on our people they were like let's not <laughs> draw attention to this and maybe it'll go mm-hmm. away because all the libel cases that were coming against them were from that chalice guy yeah the so family didn't really... touch it because again it has to be a lie to be libel <laughs> <laughs> oh i like that you put That's the lie in libel. libel yes yes <laughs> So also fun story. Oh, I, story. Uh, I found this one really great. Yeah. So Victoria had actually had a speaking engagement lined up in New Jersey when she found out she was getting arrested, you know, for the second time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again. Okay. So I went to go speak again and then I got, and I arrested. got arrested again. again. <laughs> um, so as the crowd was arriving to see the notorious Victoria, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that needs to be on shirts. Well, it's the name um, of her book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, so the cops showed up to arrest her. You know, they're ready to arrest. And so she asked a friend, and she's like, hey, can you, like, do this speech for me? Um, I'm going to go ahead and return to New York, and I'll just, like, turn myself in, less drama. Uh-huh. And yeah. her, her friend's, like, up at the podium being like, 
I'm super sorry. Vicky can't be here. She couldn't make it tonight. And the crowd, of course, is like, boo. Yeah. Boo. That's a yeah. direct quote. It's, it's exactly. They, they all said it in unison like that, too. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, as this is happening, a little old lady with a crooked back and gray hair and glasses just all of a sudden, like, climbs up on the stage gets up to the podium <laughs> and then rips off her wig and glasses and bitches it's victoria Ray and the crowd it. goes nuts they love it <laughs> oh my god that the cops let her do her speech because i'm just imagining them being like okay fair enough fair okay that's <laughs> that, that was pretty good that, that was, was she got us <laughs> And after her speech, you know, they arrested her immediately afterwards. But I was just, I was just kind of like imagining the cops kind of looking at each other, being like, "Fair play, okay." <laughs> All right, we'll just get you after this. We'll let yeah. you go on. So <laughs> I, again, well, here we are with another three years of like court battles and yeah. bail and posting. Uh, so Vicky, Tinny, and Colonel Blood are broke as fuck. They ain't got no money. <laughs> that's that is true they ain't got no money <laughs> they couldn't afford to keep their brokerage firm open so they ended up having to close that um uh mr comstock ugh, ugh. he had actually had their printing press destroyed while they were in jail what a dick move. What, what does how does he even have again like with the i guess earlier wasn't the last time i was going to talk about him how does he have <laughs> the right as someone that just works for the postal service to go and destroy someone's property yeah, that's kind of like it's not. Up. It's not like printing printing presses can be used for so many other things, and they were expensive. I that urgh, rage. <laughs> <laughs> and like Vicky's health at this point isn't really doing too well, which I mean is understandable. She's, she's under a lot, a lot of stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah she's having to do like speeches just to make ends meet, just to make any money, and you know with her failing health, she can't do those speeches like she used to do yeah i think she maybe got pneumonia or she had some kind of issues with her lungs and if your whole thing is being able to speak they didn't have microphones so if your whole thing is being able to go out in front of a crowd and they can hear you in the back of the crowd if your lungs aren't good your speech isn't good yes (laughs) so the public is pretty much fucking done with her at this point which is kind of sad um her public persona was really just drugged through the mud like for Rizzle. Yeah, she was already like super unpopular, completely mm-hmm. vilified. But like people were also done with the trials because I was done with reading about them. Yes, it got so, <laughs> it was so frustrating. How do they not, did they not have, isn't it called double jeopardy when it's like you can't be tried for the same thing multiple times? Yeah, you would think. Maybe that wasn't a rule yet or maybe there was some nuance. It was I got so bored <laughs> reading yeah, about it. Right? Like, we get it. She's like a wicked woman, but yeah. she didn't like break any laws. Yeah. Like, can we just like, I feel like the general, the general public's feeling after three years of this, they were like, we get it, but come the fuck on. No, she's, you're not going to get her on anything. And this story has lost the public's interest basically yeah and at this point the suffragettes end up like hardcore turning on vicky yeah like she's a scandal and now she's like viewed as this washed up lady and 
her name is like completely removed from previous records of events and she's like never invited to speak at any of the conventions ever again i hate that even when they would send out invitations to like their conventions for like the next year or something they would make sure to note like victoria woodhall will not be here and she is not welcome they did that a lot too that's one thing that i read a lot about the suffragist movement is like they kind of erased who they wanted to erase from history. If it didn't fit their narrative. Exactly. So they did this to a lot of very influential women in the suffragist movement. And it's just crazy because, you know, that's why, like, I really didn't know a whole lot about Victoria Woodhull. And I'm not, I'm by no means an expert on America's suffragette movement. But I felt like for all that she did and all the hashtag first that she was, you think that she would be a name along with Susan B. Anthony that you know of. She's just, you. she's gone. And yeah, she was like the first woman to speak in Congress. First I woman know. to run for president. And you don't learn about her in history. But she's I know. Just, whoop, they, like, they were just like, we don't know her. She can't sit with us. She can't sit with us! <laughs> they were mean girls! <laughs> they were. Literally. (laughs) So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, guys. She and her punk rock husband, Colonel Blood, they break up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems to have been an amicable breakup, you know, seemed to be mutual. Um, Later in life, he said that it was always work that kept them together. And now that they didn't have any work, it's kind of like just falling apart. I mean, it makes sense. People have... That was their love language, working on projects together, getting excited about stuff together. I feel like you see that a lot with like celebrity couples that are like actors. They fall in love working on projects together. And then when they're not interested in the same projects anymore, they drift apart, you know? So work was their love language. Back then, you couldn't just like file for divorce with irreconcilable differences like you can now. There had to be a reason. Yeah. So Vicky filed on grounds of blood cheating on her, which is a fucking joke. Everyone in their inner circle knew they had an open marriage, but you had to have some reason. And she didn't want to say that he like beat her or that like. he. Yeah, because uh, that would give him a bad reputation. of being Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Fun fact. So it, when you got a divorce um, on grounds of adultery, The person who was cheated on, it was legal for them to remarry, like, whenever. But the person who was the cheater, they could not legally marry while the other spouse was still alive. Huh. So, I mean, it's like you punish the adulterer. I mean, that's what they're doing. That's weird. I know. That's crazy. But also, we don't know for fact that she ever actually got a legal divorce from her first husband. Yeah. He's dead now. He died. We just skipped over that. I think everyone saw that coming. So maybe they made it legal. I don't know. That's all muddy. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say, Victoria is not really having a good time in life right now. No. Um, She got no money. She got no man. She got no work. Like, and then the icing on the terror cake (laughs) is Cornelius Vanderbilt dies. I know. I mean, he was hella old, but still. (laughs) The sisters and Vanderbilt had not remained close over the last few years. But when he died, he was worth about $100 million, which was roughly the same amount of the U.S. Treasury at the time. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he was the United States treasurer. Money, 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 money. Yeah, money, he could... money, 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 money. His will, like he had a favorite child, which I feel like is just a thing people did back then in history, and his will really fucked over all of the kids except for the favorite kid, and so the rest of the kids were taking. Um, like contesting the will. They were like, he wrote it while he was old and senile. We just please redo. The Vanderbilt kids came to Vicky in Tennessee and they were like, all right, you're going to get subpoenaed and we don't, you guys are too risky. We don't fucking know what you're going to say. So um, if we give you a hundred thousand dollars, will you just go away? Yeah, and a hundred thousand dollars is like three million dollars today. Yeah, and so, they don't have any. They wh- what are they going to say? Of course they're going to say yes, right? <laughs> You're not going to be like no. <laughs> and so they took the money, booked themselves a boat ride over to England. And so this was uh, they is actually Vicky, Tinny, Vicky's two kids, and their mother. So they all they're on a boat going. They on a boat. T Pain <laughs> was probably there. <laughs> she is 39 and she is ready to just start her new life over 39 and I'm feeling fine yes i love it <laughs> um unfortunately her reputation followed her to england so she tried to change her name from wood hall which is the w-o-o-d-h-u-l to wood hall h-a-l <laughs> because there was like a wealthy family in england that was like part of the aristocracy with woodhall and she was like oh yeah i'm 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 with them (laughs) and they're like who's this no you're not no you're not oh my god we don't know her (laughs) so while they had some notoriety in england it was a lot less dramatic within the u.s where she was just like constantly hounded by the press so as a result, her health kind of improved and she started to do her speaking engagements again, you know, getting back to her roots, making some money, honey. Yes. And so in December, she was given a speech and this bachelor banker guy named John Martin was in attendance. Um, John had recently lost his beloved sister and his sister had mentioned Victoria Woodhull before because um, she was really into the women's rights movement. And she had like read something by Victoria this one time and mentioned it to her brother. And so John hears that she's speaking and he's like, okay, I'm going to go check this chick out. And so he goes and listens to her do this speech. Um, it was something about like, how how can we reconcile being capitalist and Christian or something like that? And um, so at the end, he like leaves and goes and meet up with his friends. And he's like, I think I'm going to marry that woman. And you know what? He fucking did. And he did. <laughs> like a, a, a few months later, like they had a bit of a tumultuous courtship. Mm-hmm. You know, they made, they played a lot of games with each other, you know, to make each other jealous. We all know that couple. They would ghost each other. Like yeah. but ghosting back then was different because it was like with letters. Um, he would go on business trips <laughs> and not tell her how long he was going to be gone. And she would like maybe flirt with another guy. It was, um, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't like an easy relationship. No, and they didn't marry until about five years later. Which to us now, that doesn't seem like a crazy amount of time to date someone before marrying them. But back then, people kind of were like, "This is weird." That's you, it's it's been six months, and you're not yeah. talking about why getting married. Why aren't you married yet? Side note about John Martin and his family: they were rich, bitch. They were rich. Yes. They were very wealthy. His family was fucking loaded. His dad had a title. His brother was in parliament. So they're very well connected. Um, Vicky's also older than he is by like three or four years. And so his family, as far as I could tell, they were always nice to her, but they were like, honey, what are you, what are you doing? This is not a suitable match. Like she, she's probably at this point, not going to have any more kids. Um, she is out here talking about like, she's got this horrible, weird reputation. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? So that's probably why they like dated so long. Yeah. The parents are basically like, Oh baby girl, what is you doing? What is you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> Or maybe she was just hesitant to marry again. Yeah, that's probably what, that's what I was thinking is like, man, this is like my third husband. Yeah. <laughs> like the husband number three, like I'm tired. I just want to get, you know, I'm tired of working, tired of the scandals. I just want to be a kept woman at this point. Yeah. And honestly, it seemed like they were genuinely in love. So Yeah, it maybe wasn't, it was kind of a weird love, like a kind of twisted, make you jealous kind of love. But yeah, I do think they loved each other. Mm-hmm. So in October of 1883, she's now Victoria Claflin Woodhull Blood Martin. Yep. <laughs> That's a mouthful, bitch. That's a lot of um, names. The rest, yeah, it is a lot of names. And the rest of her life is a lot quieter than the early part. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it's Victoria Woodhull. She really can't be all that quiet for that long, right? Right. And her... <laughs> And her daughter, Zula, start a newspaper called The Humanitarian. Um, I, I really couldn't find how successful it was, if it was just something to keep her busy or if it actually did well. I really couldn't tell. One not cash money thing is that this, this paper did condone eugenics, which, as we talked about in episode one of her, we don't love. Now, it's not like eugenics, like the Nazis' eugenics, like, kill the people already living with these traits but it was more about um the importance of marrying well and um not marrying people with traits that it's still icky but it's not nazis yeah but it's still very problematic (laughs) very Um, problematic so she also still published a few essays that got some traction And, you know, she would from time to time go back to the U.S. for speaking engagement. And um, there's only one story that while over back in the U.S. promoting her most recent essay called The Humanitarian and Money, an Unresolved Riddle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, She saw Colonel Blood in passing on the street and just like was it's like whenever you see someone that, you know, from like high school in the grocery store that you really didn't like. Yeah. Oh, gotta turn left. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe you don't have any makeup on that day and you just don't feel like fucking talking to yeah. And yeah, she just ignored him and it apparently really, really hurt his feelings. 
I mean, I can see why you were married yeah for a while. yeah yeah tennessee also got married she did very well in this in this area of her life she married a guy who he was a baron in england and he was a viscount in portugal so she is doing a just fine Uh, yeah so in 1901 martin died and victoria decided at this point to close the newspaper and retire entirely from public life um and tinny's husband ironically not really ironic just unfortunately yeah um he died within the same year and they were both left with that money honey they got some killer inheritances yep 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 um so they moved in together (laughs) and i really kind of believe that you know i think victoria loved her husbands or at least two of them but i i I think tennessee was the love of her life (laughs) like i think that's the person that she loved the most in the whole world so i'm glad they got to spend their later years together yeah, so Vicky, Tenny, and Zula funded a small school in the village they lived in. Um, mm-hmm. Victoria, funnily enough, really got into cars. Um, <laughs> what? She's like the first woman in England to actually own one, which is so baller. It's so random. I know. <laughs> in her later years, she continued to promote political movements that she agreed with. She worked with the Red Cross during World War One. Uh, she donated to charity. She donated to schools, invested in science. She, like we said, really into cars. So she invested in like more reliable automobiles and transportation. And I just imagine she'd be like NASCAR granny today. Like, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> totally. So it's 1927 and at age 88, she passed away quietly at her home in England with her daughter there uh, right by her side. What a crazy life this woman had. She by no means was a perfect person. Um, Her life and her personality had ups and downs for sure, but she was self-made. She was smart. She went from rags to riches to rags to riches to rags to riches again. I mean, can we really keep... Okay, so rags to riches when she was like before she was 15. Then back to riches right. by her thirties, then to rags again before her forties, then to riches after that. So <laughs> rags to riches, to rags to riches, to rags to riches. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So yeah, she's by no means perfect, but whatever you can say about her, you have to admit that she was a trailblazer. Being a stockbroker and speaking in front of Congress were not things that women did before her. Oh, and neither was running for president. (laughs) Yes, so let's raise a glass to this badass. Cheers, bitches. Catch y'all next time. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at queens podcast, all one word. All smushed up. Queens podcast. Um, follow us on Facebook. Our intro music is by K Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. Thanks for letting us use your song, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, clink. <laughs> Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. 
That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.